Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to the first ever episode of Blaze Explains, my podcast. Uh, I'm Blaze Hope, in case you hadn't already noticed. And um, this actually started as an idea five or six years ago. Not my idea. A friend of mine, uh, Seb Sharp, came up with it suggested at the time I was doing the news in Southeast Asia and presenting it he suggested something called Blaze Explains to you know provide a sort of morning pointer sort of five seven minutes long about whatever was going on in the news that day and explaining what are pretty opaque issues if you're not very familiar with the kind of daily news cycle to listeners and I just said I love the idea but I, I could not have committed to creating something daily and I'm not now either this will be a weekly blog but I am actually getting started and credit really is due to Justin Blattner who is kind of a podcast genius really in a conversation with him he encouraged me just to go ahead and do it because he was looking for well people to make podcasts for him to work with that was kind of the match that I needed to make this viable in the long term. And I think I'm going to be trying to do this every week. Keep it quite simple, no guests, just to get us going. But I will do my best to explain issues and discuss them as I um, come through. And if we get better, well, we'd like to get better, I think, with your suggestions, basically. So tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what you want me to talk about. But the topic this week, just going to start with remote working. It seems like Everybody is, is experiencing this. Not everybody's ever done it before, but it is really the kind of key issue of our times. And I'm going to try to discipline myself to talk about, you know, the, the stages that it's gone through. I mean, number one is, is pre-COVID, basically. So COVID is, is, is the change. And to start about that, I mean, basically, the, the digital revolution has sort of set us slowly on a course here. And I remember reading an article, this was some years ago, well, I think mid sort of 2010s, early 2010s, about a French businessman who moved himself to a very remote Pacific island, got himself a satellite, well, some form of satellite phone and internet capability and, and said, I'm going to live here for a year and I'm going to run my business from, from here to show that I can do it. And I sort of read it and remember thinking, well, I'm sure you can, actually. I just, you know, it was too early in my career to sort of understand the value of face-to-face communication. And obviously, we've had Skype for a long time, but that's the only thing that you need to consider about whether you're going to miss. Skype, but now we have Zoom and Google Meet and WhatsApp video calls and so many options, to be honest, that the, the cost of getting out and going to actually go meet someone, as wonderful as it is, you, you lose suddenly all this interstitial time that the digital world has has gained for us. You know, you can listen to a podcast while you're working out, while you're working, while you're going to work, while you are going to sleep. It, there's just, you can listen to it while you sleep if, if it kind of keeps you calm. It, it, it's an invention very much of our times that allows us to indulge in long speech. But by the same tool, really, by the same tool, we can communicate with people in such a way that we don't need to be face-to-face anymore. And before I launch too much ahead, a lot of that you know, really comes down to how you're going to handle costs. But 
how we format these podcasts. I, I'm going to start off trying to give it some sort of narrative direction. So pre-COVID first, and you know, pulled up a bunch of statistics here, and you know, almost instantly looking at it, I've gotten too many. But 92% of companies have already thought about how to digitize their working space, as the average age of employees goes from 61 years old in 1958 to 22 year old, years old in 2019. Hmm, I mean, hard to you know, verify that there were that many 60 plus year olds working then, but it makes sense, I guess, after World War II. But in any case, certainly people have gotten a lot younger and, and certainly, you know, entering the workforce the past 10 years has been a regular occurrence. I remember suggesting when I was doing my residency to, to, to the company, they were paying some, some massive fee to be able to record interviews that they had with sources on the phone and it was this sort of bulky device and really expensive. And I just said, you know, that for twelve dollars, you, you get this thing that it's like effectively a one ear, a one ear earphone that you plug into your recorder, and the back side of the earphone is a mic. And so you hold the thing to your ear, and you and it records perfectly everything they're saying on the phone, and you can hear it perfectly as you're speaking to them. And I think you know that reduced that cost by about ninety percent immediately. And, um, you know, that division and the division was only from me, you know, sort of 22 up to, you know, there were 32 year olds who I guess were just quite out, just outside that sort of bracket of growing up in a digitizing, really fully digitizing world who didn't quite get it. You know, it's just interesting. Here's another one. In January 2020, 88% of companies surveyed by O'Reilly already using cloud system in some form. I can't imagine not using a cloud system. I don't feel like things are safe unless I... They're really sensitive. You've got to have that hard copy. You've got to have multiple cloud systems. I mean, I pay, you know, you know, for work slash kind of home. I pay for Google Drive. It gives me a massive amount of storage data. But I've got OneDrive too and a few others. And, you know, some you pay for, some you just have. And if you need to expand them, you can. And if you want to contract them and cut your expenses, you can do that too. It's it's pretty straightforward. You know, and that's without even getting into cloud sales systems. I mean, everything was already there, actually, really. All the systems that would actually allow us to be a fully digitized remote working society have been there for quite a long time. And most of these companies, I think, started, if not in their current iterations, but in earlier ones, you know, 15 years ago, if not before. But anyway, 1990s to early 2000s, the day days of the cubicle, I guess so. I mean, I've worked in a cubicle briefly. I didn't mind them, to be honest, actually. Well, and then the 2010s, the era of open space offices led by the famous Silicon Valley companies. Yeah, true. I mean, you know, I've had an open space office where I had about a foot and a half, you know, and I'm kind of a, a large guy, even when skinny. So, it, you know, a foot and a half to have my laptop, my arms, notepads, a phone, a handphone. And then the people on either side. It's just, I've found that incredibly difficult sometimes because I, I, I sort of need the space to spread out. And so when I actually worked in a cubicle, I found myself incredibly comfortable and able to focus, although I do appreciate the open. And so I think open space office working, it works if there's lots of space and or tiny people. We'll go with that. I don't know if I'd, I, I think, I think, you know, when I worked in a newsroom, newsrooms have to be open because you're shouting back and forth. But again, the desks that I worked on were, they were larger and more expansive. So it wasn't an issue. Not that they were very expensive. They were just, just office desks, really massive banks of them. But 
but they worked. A 2018 report on global remote work by our lab showed companies with remote work culture had a turnover rate 25% lower than other companies. I mean, I'm not surprised. Turnover is a problem. I mean, people talk about, you know, uh, you know, millennials. To, f- first of all, millennials have grown up in the digital world and the expectations on them and everybody, but, you know, really them, because they're the ones who are having to make them make the name for themselves at this age, is that, you know, you're constantly available, and you are, you know, processes that took a long time, for example, accountancy or just filling in a filing system or or a shared document or a shared uh, spreadsheet, you know, that, that, that was laborious and took time. And if you ever did it, you know, then that makes a nine-hour workday sort of make sense. But, you know, a nine-hour workday as a millennial is like, you know, the, the, the sort of the 10% of that time of that laborious process, that's all of the time. You've really got to be so switched on, you know, and so you can be a lot more productive. But, you know, if you have that, you may as well be in an environment that you like. I like going to the office, actually. I do like talking to people. I like interacting with people. But, you know, I, sometimes you don't have to do that. Sometimes I'd be happier to do the work and do it more if I could do it in the comfort of my own home, if that's how that day was panning out, because you really do need to be switched on all the time. And um, I found that in my own working journey that really just being able to continually innovate how I approach the day is hugely beneficial, hugely beneficial. And I do encourage my staff to do that. So no surprise there. Same report shows only 18% of full-time workers around the world are working remotely. The rest are on-site workers. So pre-COVID, yeah, I mean, 80% is not nothing, though. You know, it's indicative of a big trend. So, you know, the world is ready for this. Really, 44% of companies in the world don't even allow workers to work remotely for various reasons. Well, we're seeing those reasons evaporate because three months of having to work remotely, otherwise you're not going to work at all. Well, you figure it out, don't you? You know, I hear people saying, I mean, I believe Twitter Twitter is now a remote working company. They've, they've said it. Uh, others have said it they're going to continue to do so. And I think I heard they gave, I heard from from someone who, who, who uh, a mutual friend who works at Twitter, that everyone got a stipend. I haven't verified this, but a stipend to say, hey, go build a, build a home office because that is that is your, your office now. And I think that would be the right approach. And less than 30% of companies in the U.S. were working from home before the pandemic. I just want to have a note here. You know, just like, you know, the, the U.S. is obviously a massively important market. When you talk about, you know, the world is, you know, Bali, for example. I mean, there is a, there's <clears throat> always been a legion of, of freelancers, you know, very often Western, but also from, from you know, Russia, from all, all across Asia, Africa, who are, are doing their freelancing gigs there remotely because it means that they get to live in Bali and they're dead on right. It does mean you can if that's what you want to do and if you're happy kind of kind of doing that. You know, there are an incredible range of appealing factors to doing that and, you know, the current sort of the millennial generation that, that's getting into this... It, wants to travel and experience far more than everybody else and it, and it fits in uh, not that everybody else doesn't want to but it's just one of those documented trends and well I have my own little plan here which you know I sort of want to take advantage of of, of the situation and, and try to make a point for my own company which you know the concept of you know globally connected teams that we'll touch more on later in the podcast working remotely together you know is a core point so 
I'm thinking about moving to Fiji for three months with the family if I can make it work, just to show um, that it can be done. Because, you know, for my work, I don't really need to coordinate big uploads and downloads. I don't need the world's fastest internet connection. I really just need a phone line. And because I, I can just coordinate the rest of it because I'm not the one doing the uploading, the downloading. And then COVID happened. And COVID did happen. And everybody's suddenly at home. And to speak briefly about myself, I was suddenly basically just working. Well, I couldn't use the lounge, which is annoying, but I, I was working as I normally did. And I was ready to do it and very efficient already. And so uh, I was lucky in that sense. And I think those who were working at home before were very lucky. And it would have been extremely difficult for those those who who had never done it before. But, you know, I think people have adjusted. You know, they've, they've forced you down. They've forced you to close, to close the offices. And um, the first thing that I'm going to say, you know, statistics that we've pulled out here is, I don't think there's any way at the moment to even gauge what kind of effect this is actually going to have on global office rentals. What is an office rental at this point? I mean, I could imagine probably the smartest investment that I would do uh, if I wanted to, I would build a co-working space with very large desks, as I've noted, good connectivity that is visually stunning in the middle of nowhere and say, whoever's coming through, you come through, you can work here. And you get to live somewhere spectacular in the middle of nowhere for as long as you want. And then you go away. Also, middle of nowhere, as long as I use local materials and local talent, generally speaking, I can keep the cost down a building. I don't need to bring in marble as long as it's good enough and there's some air conditioning. It'll, it'll be fine. And I don't need to spend a huge amount of money on the land. Because again, middle of nowhere, I will buy some land that costs nothing. And, and I think, you know, I would really be happy to go on a carousel of of going from one of those to the other all around the world and my principal cost being the travel. But, you know, suddenly I, I'd be able to do that. And similarly, you know, suddenly when people don't have to go to resorts or they're not so driven and because they have so much more time on their hands and they can go in off peak seasons, perhaps the price of uh, holiday rentals will go down as well. Well, they're already going down for now, but, you know, I mean, long term. And, um, you know, and local rentals and short-term rentals will, will will crop up in more flexible ways. One of the reasons I think Airbnb is going to do just fine, while others may struggle. Rather than, you know, there's the digital nomad and you have your home. I mean, truly be a digital nomad now. You can be. You've got to look at a crisis like this and th that is bringing enormous social change, and you've just got to lean into what changes those are. What is the best thing that you could do with the changes that are being presented to you? Okay, 31% of companies surveyed by Flexera have slightly higher usage of the cloud system compared to before the pandemic. 26% reported a significantly higher usage. Okay, yeah, they use the cloud systems more. I mean, obviously. Yes, what's interesting is that it's not so much higher, which means w we could have been working from home anyway. We could have been remotely working. We we're already using them. I mean, you know, you would imagine that the increase of the of the systems would be sort of up three hundred percent, but it's not. Yeah, twenty six percent, which is massive, but you know, it, it means it was all already there. Fascinating. I'm sure you know we're going to touch on service. Sorry, the uh, software as a service, SaaS systems, and how they've just been absolutely killing it through the pandemic. Because you know, no worries. People are now exploring. Who, 
you know, further than ever before, things that can be handled remotely, such as accountancy, bookkeeping, anything really. And if you're talking about a company like mine, any kind of media services, particularly focused on newsrooms, but also production, I mean, really anything. Although we are obviously focused um, on news, I am, my background is a journalist, um, I'm a startup, I will do what work you want. And also we do have done some extremely good work with brands already, financial technology companies, but I'm not, this is not a promotion, but anyway, before I go too far down that road, that's not why I'm doing the podcast. So more than 30% admitted they haven't used the cloud system effectively. Well, I've admitted I have not used the cloud systems at my disposal that effectively. It's also made me realize, and maybe, maybe this is the, the difference with why it's not 500% growth is some of them I didn't really need because I wasn't using them effectively and I wasn't going to be able to. And I wasn't going to have the time to, I wasn't going to understand it, I didn't need to, and I was just spending money on it. So yeah, I, I, you know, again, we haven't explored the depth which we can actually use these systems. Physical offices might be reduced by up to 80%, 100%. 100% they are going to be massively reduced. This is already happening. People are, are, are just, entire companies are going to work remotely. Certainly if they do come back, why not have 20% of the office space and turn the rest into flats? I mean, if you own a building and just have core team members coming in and meetings as and when they're absolutely necessary in there. It's just not going to be necessary. I mean, what's going to, business travel is going to collapse unless you absolutely have to go. Interesting. It'll probably be really, truly for only the top executives that have to travel. Or for example, if you're talking about, as you know, someone off topic, there is a video explaining how Walmart has a fleet of private airplanes because you know, Walmarts are everywhere. They're all in regionals and their storm, I can't remember the name of the title, but it's like the store, oops, sorry about that. Their store managers, they have to inspect sort of four stores a day or, or two stores a day, something like that. Anyway, an inspection takes two hours and, you know, regional airports not have lots of flight. There is no way you're going to be flying and flying via commercial routes. You are going to be flying from small airfield to small airfield. And that means you could say get to on on a day that you're that you're visiting four different WalMarts for a two hour inspection, and remember also private plane, private airfield or small airfield. You're in and out of the airport in minutes. Um, you're up in the air, you're down. It is really really simple. And then you're in a car, and then the same thing on the way back, and you end up back home at the end of the day. You know, and the calculation, it's a pretty simple calculation, but I just can't remember what the figures are. But let's say, you know, their hour, you know, a manager doing those inspections is worth to Walmart something like $100,000 on that day. And, you know, it's $20,000 per person if you're flying them on a private plane. So it's worth it. You know, something like that. You can actually find that's a Wendover Productions video. Very interesting. But yeah. Now, physical offices, yeah, there's not going to be that many of them. I'm not sure about people's investments in that commercial real estate. But, you know, again, co-working space, you know, that I wonder, I wonder. It's not my specialty. I'll cap my, my, my exploration of the theory there. But, I mean, that's really worth its own podcast. Okay, mid-April, so heart of lockdown. More than 60% of companies were effectively using a remote working culture due to the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, so I'm lucky in the sense that I've already been remote working. I already coordinate with the global team all the time on WhatsApp. And I remember, you know, we had some discussions with the clients. They're saying, like, 
you know, we're very confused why you're messaging us on WhatsApp and you're not just sending me a series of emails. So go, well, to have real life communication about this, we just, it has to be something like WhatsApp. Uh, for me, that's the one. I don't think Slack's desperately useful because I, it doesn't seem to, I seem to miss too much. Whereas I don't miss a thing when I'm, when I'm using WhatsApp or at least comparatively speaking. But again, there's, there's lots of options. And, you know, uh, I also think force of personality is extremely important when you're, when you're working like that. You've just got to be able to make yourself heard. You've got to communicate. And, you know, you've got to communicate like a professional communicator. You've got to be, just be so on it. And that is how you keep your culture alive. And you need to make your employees communicate. So, you know, learn how to talk to people, learn how to text efficiently, politely, economically in terms of how you use words. It's never been better. It's never been more important to be a good writer. And I think people who sort of relied on just sort of being there and being able to kind of grunt and accept, well, they might struggle, actually. All the more reason that to get your kids to read, to read when they're young, to read regularly, to learn how to articulate themselves, which is a shame because the humanities in universities have become so much less challenging than they were because various reasons that I'm not going to get into. But, you know, people are, are, are just not, people are just leaving them and they're you know, sort of assuming that there's nothing of value to be gained by studying them. But, you know, it's the most valuable thing you can study because if you can't make your point, what's, then, then what is the point of being a brilliant mathematician or a scientist if you cannot explain effectively and authoritatively what it is you're doing. Anyway, meanwhile, a poll by Gallup reported only one in four employees want to go back to the office after the pandemic is over. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it, what you miss, it comes down to, well, I miss the face, face-to-face interaction. Yeah, you can get that in a bar. So, and, you know, ultimately, virtual reality is getting significantly advanced. If you ever put on a virtual reality headset, it, they are brilliant, actually. And sort of allowed yourself to enjoy a truly immersive experience. You know, that we're going to be able to do that. We're going to be able to do that. I can't remember the name. I think there's some companies already doing it. Well, I'm sure there are. But that, you know, that'll bring us pretty damn close to having these interactions face-to-face, which, again, re- removes the need for, for so much um, of this travel. And certainly, if it's not absolutely necessary, you know, why would you go back? But I guess if you already own an office, you may as well use it rather than a massive bill from a software company. Forbes reported that remote work allows 77% employees to work more efficiently. So it is difficult to work efficiently at home, especially when you've got kids, as I do, because you need to have your own space. But ultimately, you can get into the discipline. You can set down the rules. I mean, you know, it is difficult when it begins, but it's like, when I'm I'm working, you know, like I can't, I'm working. I am effectively at the office. I am off limits. And that does not work for the first month, six weeks. But eventually, you just you do adapt. Human beings are unbelievably adaptable. Unbelievably adaptable. We can handle anything. I mean, we can handle the most extraordinary privations and deprivations beyond what we apparently scientifically medically could. I mean, it's, it's astonishing. In fact, we thrive when we are put under some such pressure. As I would argue, a lot of people are thriving now. I mean, obviously people are suffering and I'm not not making light of that at all. The triumph of the human spirit. We are all still here. We got behind in the UK, the NHS, in the US, not entirely clear, but I think Fauci, the the medical guy, but certainly behind doctors. And, And that's been the case elsewhere, although we are very much, and this is perhaps the disadvantage 
one of the disadvantages of lockdown, other than potential economic suicide, is my my understanding of it is 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 where I was, which is London. So I'm always curious to hear exactly how it is elsewhere. But again, there's a sh- shared human experience, and I think the ability for humans to find the pleasure in sharing that experience wherever you are in the world. Where were you when lockdown hit? How did it affect you? How did you experience it? These sort of things bond us. It just doesn't happen with other... How extraordinary I could bond with someone in Sri Lanka and Greenland and uh, you know Burkina Faso about how did you all experience lockdown? Amazing. Data security will be far more important. <laughs> far more. Uh, unbelievably important now at this point. I mean, I think we're all going to get to a point we've 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 got to all learn some tradecraft, some spy tradecraft in order to you know throw people off because they're gonna they're gonna come they're gonna steal your data and I think it's one of the things you got to do is is find a way to safeguard yourself from the worst elements of that. The younger generations are well equipped for this and and there are lots of options and I think you just have to really treat things with a great deal of suspicion. And um, you have to sort of operate in a way that assumes that everything you, you've ever written down will be nicked. So, no, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to try to solve. But speaking of data, determining promotions and merit will be more data-centric instead of organizational tenure. Yes and no. I think they will be data-centric because you need those tools. Secondly, it goes back to what I said before. You need to be a bloody brilliant communicator in order to thrive in this. You've got to be so good. You've got to be able to present and commit yourself through a medium as if you are in the room speaking to the person themselves. So I actually think those skills are going to be extremely valuable and valued once people figure this out. You know, if you cannot communicate, then you are bloody useless in some ways. You've just got to to do that. So I'm not 100% sure about that. I mean, I think you'd be a fool to only do that. I think what happens is, you know, you need to make data-based promotion and I guess layoff decisions anyway when you're dealing with very large numbers of employees because they've just got to, they've just got to. And 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 I think that kind of happens anyway. But organization instead of organizational tenure, you, you could have an argument here that the way that legacy costs seem to just destroy old venerable companies. Why would organizational tenure have any kind of impact at all? But contentious this, contentious, because I do think the people are going to be what's so valuable. And yes, productivity, but it's interesting. I think it's going to be difficult for companies to to deal with all of this. I, ultimately, I think people people learn, and what you have to do is make sure you learn and you will adapt. And then the skills that, that brought you success in the office will bring you skills elsewhere if you really are that good and you weren't faking it. Anyway, so here's an idea. National Geographic predicts even if companies are back to the physical working environment, the era of full open space offices will no longer be there. Some barriers will be put up. A study showed that the COVID-19 virus can even spread via the air. Old-time cubicle might be on the rise again, especially with working culture becoming more and more digitized. I mean, this is like... <sighs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, why bother going if you're going to be stuck in a cubicle? I I don't know. I think open space is, I think what you need is distance. I think, you know, the two meter gap is, is sufficient. I think you're going to have less people in more space in our current office spaces. So 
shouldn't be too difficult anyway to have the kind of employees that have to be there two meters apart on the on their editing stations or their workstations and able to communicate freely putting on a mask because the annoying thing about those barriers is you can't hear anything sometimes especially when you also can't look at their lips when they're wearing a mask but i do think that that's going to adapt to be a little bit more careful also i do think we are going to develop a vaccine at some point and i do think that yeah it, this will change everything forever i think when you actually are in the office Maybe you need a cubicle, but maybe once you're there, you're kind of already in a situation where you've probably passed some biometric scanning, which is more advanced than just temperature and and whether you're coughing to sort of tell whether you're sick and you're probably a bit more safe than that. Anyway, collaboration software has moved from nice to have to a must have. Yeah. Yeah. Collaboration software. You got to have it. I mean, Slack. Okay. Well, so Slack an 80% increase in paid customers from before to after COVID. Yes. Not, I mean, I knocked Slack earlier. That's just because I don't desperately use it because every time I've been invited to use it, I found that no one really used it that effectively anyway. And everyone was on WhatsApp. But then again, I spent the last 10 years working, well, the last seven years mainly working in uh, Asia. And before that was in the States. And at the time, really... I was sort of jumping on a bunch of, I guess, software services along with a load of other people, but really the general knowledge was still very low amongst the general population. Microsoft reported daily users up 70% in just a month. Yeah, well, Google Meet reported 3 million new users per day. I found Google Meet fantastic, actually, because every time I create a calendar event, it just creates the link, and I just say to anybody who I'm meeting, hit the button. And it works, and it works across devices, and it works across everything, and you know, Zoom was great too, except, and then I think Zoom got a bit overwhelmed and then it didn't, didn't work on my, on my, on my laptop a couple of times. And I sort of said, right, well, I'm going to go to Google. I mean, then they wanted 15 quid and I already pay Google. So you just, you, you adapt, but Zoom's still fine. Now, the global workforce, a study by University of Chicago shows 37% of jobs in the US can be done remotely anyway. Yeah. Now 80% of workers in the US would turn down a job if they don't offer flexible working arrangements. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Why not? And what that also means is why not go global? I mean, that's what my company does. You know, I, I, I fully believe we should have been doing this a long time ago. We've got to be really well integrating teams. It's not about, it's not about just spinning off a service. It's about integrating yourself, working with people in optimal areas of the globe together. That's why you've got to learn languages. You've got to get out and meet people. You've got to travel. You've got to learn how to speak to people from different places to you because it's going to be so important. Again, there's another reason why the data-centric thing is I'm, I'm, I'm highly suspicious of that because I think someone who, who thinks you can only make the decision on data is probably someone who does not understand how incredibly important it is to be able to communicate. But, you know, you're just going to, you've got to be able to communicate. I mean, you know, very few people, uh, surprisingly few, are able to, you know, you've got to just be constantly switching between how you speak to uh, someone in one country to another, and you've got to learn the ins and outs and and, and vice versa. But the global workforce, here, 70% of the global workforce consisting half from Gen X and half from Gen Y is what it's going to look like. I mean, yeah. And if you know anything about the developing world and the young populations as well, they've all learned English. That's why I work with them. They're desperately keen to get to participate in a global economy and they're thrilled. And so I think people who sort of assume that they can get jobs and and things in the West will find that they better be bloody good at what they do. One. 
too. They better work bloody efficiently. And one of the ways that you can work very efficiently is if your company is effectively outsourcing uh, to a global workforce to allow you to do the highest value thing that you can do and someone there couldn't do. Uh, and that means, you know, you're, you're the recipient of a legacy of, of, of work tradition and, uh, and, and, and culture and as well as education systems and self education and self upskilling that really, you know, sort of sets you apart. But you know, that's what it comes down to is we're, we're, we're distilling things down to what is the most valuable thing that you can contribute. And there, now you're talking about data centric reasons for promotion and merit, because that is like, right. Are you contributing? Are you focusing on it? Or are you getting distracted by the stuff that mattered when you were in an office and we were all tied down, but doesn't matter now? Interesting. Well, look, let me know what you thought. I have nattered on for a bit. So just to close, just to close, before the pandemic, people already spent 90% of their life inside. Yeah, Netflix. Now it's just a matter of the place. And video games too. Before the pandemic... At least eight hours were spent in the office. Now the office has moved to our homes. Also, between one and four hours was wasted getting to and from the office, which was great for listening to podcasts. But let's be honest, it was an enormous waste of everybody's time, especially if you're on the underground, because then you don't have any signal. You can't even check your emails, you know, at a time when everyone's flying back and forth. So, you know, it is an important point to remember that, you know, prior to COVID, I mean, I had, with the grace and blessing of my wife to support me, I, I had basically distilled my day to work as much as possible and waste as little time as possible doing things like getting to work, you know, find a way to, to get, because, you know, the moments are going to come where you struggle to get your head into gear. So you need to make it easy. The only really special thing that the office did really, I, I felt was the process of getting from home to there would get you in the mindset. But I found it incredibly stress-inducing because all I could think about was the work I had to do as soon as I get there. And I just keep building and I just keep it. And every day I walked into the office, I walked in full of nervous energy and, and great, but I did find it quite exhausting. What's great is I can literally wake up and immediately work, immediately get everything out of the way. And by the time I'm actually eating my breakfast, I've already gotten so much momentum that I can relax and focus on the more work-intensive tasks ahead of me because I've already replied to 50 emails and 100 messages or whatever. Does COVID change how companies and employees behave towards remote work flexible working arrangement? No, it just, like many things, COVID has just expedited what a change that was already happening, that was going to happen, that it's brought forward. Uh, we've written extensively about this and, and well, we've had, I've had to stop myself doing it because I could just keep going, but... You know, the changes in education, these were happening anyway. Tragic shame that they're discussing cancelling international student visas if, if classes go fully, fully online. But, you know, this sort of defeats the point of the value of the campus. It'd be slightly ridiculous, I think. But, you know, the, the fact that you can do these things online, I mean, just what a democratization of, of, of education. You know, how brilliant, you know, that these things can happen. And obviously, it's a hell of an adaptation for teachers. We've kept kids out of school. And God knows what the consequences of that will be you know, for their social development. You've just got to, they've got to be, you know, I'm getting into education, I guess, not, not working. But also, you've got to get the kids out of the house. Otherwise, how are you going to work? Them going stir crazy inside. Absolutely fair enough. You know, I, think, I think work from home and, and, and get the kids in school and let them be there. how companies and employees behave towards remote work and flexible working arrangement. Well, if they hadn't adapted to it 
and and always sort of thought it was the privilege and sneeringly thought it was the privilege of of a privileged generation in terms of sort of millennials well they've had to reconsider and realize actually no this is how it was going anyway and now we just we just have to if we if we if we could go back and then we're not it's like well there you go that's the answer that is the answer the final thing i'll close on is just the possibilities that this opens up and this is where i love it is you've got to find the wonderful brilliant things that come with this which is you could work on a beach you could go live in the middle of nowhere if that's what you wanted to do you could go live with your grandma if that's where you were, where you wanted to be you could work 120 hours and we could still see your kids every day isn't that magic i mean if you had a, you know parents who worked hard down at a sort of car manufacturing plant or in an office or uh, on the trading floor and you just didn't see them you just didn't see them and now you can i mean that is a miracle and i'm slightly colored because i've i in terms of my opinion on that because i've got two kids and and uh, one is one week old <laughs> the other one's 18 months old so i say kids but really they're babies but you know i get to see them every day how wonderful and if we want to relocate somewhere that will make them happy i can do that and it won't make a difference because when i really 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 need to travel when i've got to i'd have to travel anyway so i'm getting on a plane from one place to another what difference does it make what the start and end, des- end destinations are and on that note i want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to this Hopefully, down the line, people will go back and listen to this, wondering where it all began. Well, it began here, remote working, me recording this in the guest bedroom because it has the most pillows and therefore the least echo. Thanks very much, guys. Catch you next time. I like that closing. Very, uh, very newsy. Bye-bye now.